Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, also known as Wolf. We call it PRT for short. It's a easier way to say Paranormal Roundtable because people are lazy nowadays, so we just say PRT. Everything is an acronym. I'm JPT. Uh, or JT, uh, and with me is uh, a friend of mine, Ryan Tremblay. You want to say hi, Ryan? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Yeah, and we're going to do a show for you guys, but first I need to get everything out that needs to be said. Um, don't forget, we dropped the links to the show in the Paranormal Roundtable group page. Now, Ryan has a group, too. It's called the Whisper to a Scream podcast with, with Ryan uh, Tremblay, and uh, uh, Nelly has a group, a Paranormal... Uh, uh, lounge, gosh, couldn't get out. Tony has a group, Paranormal Encounters, and I'm also the admin of Dogman Werewolf Discussion, Paranormal Truckers, uh, and also with us tonight is Ashley Hilt. Ashley, you want to say hi? Yeah, hey guys, welcome back to another um, Paranormal Roundtable. I, it's not Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> I know people are so used to only hearing me then, but uh, here I am. Yeah, and so we're we're going to be talking about the uh, the Wendigo, um, but first let, let's get into uh, the uh, things I got to talk about. PRTPodcast.com, that's our website. Um, we are also on several different platforms. The podcast is dropped on a bunch of different uh, podcasts, Spotify, and I just I, I don't even can you name them all. Um, but anyway, there's a bunch of about seven of them. So if you're listening to us through one of those uh, channels, uh, welcome. Don't forget, we have a Tuesday live stream that we do that Ryan is a moderator of. He, he helps out with that, and we do that every Tuesday, and it goes for just about, um, I mean, almost consistently at least three hours. So if you're not joining, tuning in on, on YouTube at around 7.45 to 8 o'clock every Tuesday, you're missing out because there's a bunch of stuff that goes on there in the live stream. And it's not necessary that you watch it, but it is video, um, but you can listen to that. Now, today's episode is, is, is going to be uh, a, a discussion we're going to have about this. Now, we're going to do some encounters, and we're going to talk about this, uh, this, this elusive creature. Ryan has done a ton of, of research on this, a lot of work he's put into it, and we've been trying to coordinate to get this done. Ryan has had a lot of problems, computer problems and all kind, internet problems, all kinds of stuff, trying to get, get those issues resolved so that he could get on there and do this. And me and Ashley have been anxiously waiting in the wings to do this. And uh, we're, we're finally here. Um, so we're, we're, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, just uh, PRT, Josh Turner at PRTpodcast.com. Email me if you have any stories you want to give me or if you want to make up friends with me on, on Facebook uh, and send me your stories to Messenger. That's fine, too. Don't forget, we dropped the link for a free give for a giveaway, a book giveaway. We do every episode, Tuesdays and Fridays episodes. We put the link on the Paranormal Roundtable group, and you can go and join that. We just hit seven thousand members a couple weeks ago. As of the recording of this, it will be not 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 a couple weeks, but when this airs, it will be. Um, and we hit sixteen thousand subscribers on YouTube, so we're happy for that. Um, now, what that means. For everybody is that we need more people <laughs> because I want to have 20,000, 40,000, 60,000. I want to get a lot of listeners in there so that we can, uh, you, you know, you guys can enjoy our content, our material, and and just, uh, we just want people to listen. We want people to listen and uh, and you guys can listen to the stories um, and, and just enjoy it. 
I, I want to make people happy. I, I, want, I want people to be happy. That's why we do the giveaways. We want everybody to be happy. I try to, I try to do my best uh, to, to do the giveaways and, and their autographed books and things like that. Um, we give away merchandise. Uh, we do all kinds of giveaways. Now, coming up in, in December, we're going to have a bunch of giveaways. We're going to do a bunch of really special giveaways. I'm talking really valuable things. Okay. So anyway, that being said, uh, just, just be sure and tune in as much as possible. This is going to be a really good show. I'm really confident of it. If you send me a friend request, make sure that you send me a message on messenger. Let me know that you are a listener of the show and uh, let's get right into it. Ryan, you want to, you want to take the lead here? It's your research that we, uh, we're going to base the show off of. So you want to jump in and, and take the reins? Yeah, man, I'm excited about this. I've been waiting a long time to talk about the Wendigo with you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and we talked over the phone briefly, Josh. You have some encounters you want to run by Ashley and I. So I'm really looking forward to getting into this. And Ashley, what do you think of this? Well, I, I mean, obviously it's been, you know, well, like Josh said, it's been a long time coming. Um, you know, I'm excited because, you know, the only thing that I've publicly spoken about the Wendigo, um, you know, since since then has been, you know, compared to where I am now to where I was then, uh, my my perspective has definitely changed a lot. And um well, good. It's really interesting how much I have run into this topic in my own research and, you know, my own investigations. I have got some stories that I'm going to share as well. So okay. that's super, super excited. It's super secret, right? Um, but yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, just the mythology of it all is very convoluted. So we can clear some stuff up. Yeah, and, and, and that's one thing I was going to uh, ask because I wanted the listeners, I'm like, I know uh, where it comes from and all that, but the listeners, you know, need to know. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, mm-hmm. but it, 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 it stems from the Algonquin language people, right? Not just the Algonquins, the Cree and the Ojibwe all believe yeah, in it. Yeah, well, they, they all believe in it, but it, but it, but it stemmed from originally – from Algonquin speaking people, it was correct. that's what I thought. I wasn't for sure if that was correct because I know that it is. What's what's really interesting about the Wendigo, um, from what I've researched, was that, and I haven't done as much research as you, but I, I well, from what I've looked into from the stories, and and of course we've talked a lot about it off air, and you've kind of you know told me you know different things. We've gone over different encounters and things like that. What they could be, which we're going to get into tonight. But it, it's in three main areas. It's in the northeast, right? And, 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 then it, and then it's in the Great Lakes area. And then it's in the Great Plains area. So it's like it's spread out. Um, you don't really have the mythology of it in the northwest or in the southwest. But you, but in those places, you have a different mythology. Like in the southwest, of course, you have the uh, what they call the uh, the skinwalker. Right. Well, actually, surprisingly, in the southwest, the Wendigo is pretty prevalent as well. It's become prevalent anyway. And why do you think that is? I think it's just with the widespread religion that's, you know, being taught, being handed down, and the legends are being handed down. So more people are aware of what a Wendigo really is before they didn't know. So they're just kind of applying any name that fit to it. But once they learned what it actually was, they could aptly name it correctly. So you think that, and so I guess the the question is, do you think that all these sightings of these different types of creatures could all just potentially be types of a Wendigo? It could be. Yeah. I think in a sense it could be. Because I know that that you have, okay, it's going to get a little complicated here, but I just want to simplify it. We have skinwalkers, Wendigo, Mm -hmm. crawlers, 
pale humanoid, and then we have what they call the rake, which could be all of the above. But it also kind of lends uh, its hand to the vampire legends, too. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the crawlers, I've talked about this on my show, people have asked the question, why do people see dogman, werewolf-type creatures way more than they see vampires? And I said, I, I, I actually made a kind of a bold statement. I told somebody they don't. And they, yeah, I mean, they began to argue with me and I said, well, it depends on what your definition of, of a vampire is to me. Right. We don't know what we're dealing with. I mean, we compart, we tend to compartmentalize a gargoyle, a vampire, a, a skinwalker, a, a Wendigo, a crawler, a rake. They're all something different. Whereas we say anything that looks remotely canid and is upright is a dogman. Right. When you, you know, if you broke it down into multiple different types of creatures, then you could be looking at like 16 different types of creatures instead of just dogman, you know, whereas we don't say vampire for everything. But I think that that could be what these are. I mean, because they do go after the life force or life's blood and, and there is a cannibalistic element to to all of it, uh, you know, the werewolf, uh, whatever, which looks basically like. Dog man craves human flesh, according to the legends. The Wendigo does the same thing, right? Is that right? Yes, you're absolutely correct. But I think with the vampires, I think what it is is because everybody's romanticized the vampires. Mm -hmm. So they always think of the good-looking stud type of vampires, not the strigoi type. The strigoi, yeah, which which strigoi yeah. is the Eastern European word for uh, a vampire. Right. You look into those and you'll see that the description is very much like the rake would be or a Wendigo mm -hmm. would be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're not romantic at all. They're not the good looking <laughs> you would suspect. So <laughs> they're, they're not like us. They're not going to look at guys like me and Ryan and, ooh, look at these. Oh, yeah, you know, no, I mean, no. you know, and <laughs> but, so I don't know. talk to Phil Stern, he'll tell you I'm Dracula. So I don't know. <laughs> so, Ashley, I have a question for you. What In your research and your, your wheelhouse is, is really, you have, you're kind of a, a Mothman researcher. And you were on my show doing the show with about the Mothman, and we we went over some encounters and what they could be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I got one out of the Pine Barrens. Let's start with this one, and then Ryan, you tell me, you give me your uh, opinion. Your I don't want to say expertise because nobody's an expert, but you give me what you think of this. Okay. And then Ashley, you give me one. And this is what I've been dying. To tell you guys, okay? And since I got both of you on there, one of you is a Wendigo researcher, and, you, and Ashley, you're the Mothman researcher, I'm going to stump you both, because I don't know what this is. Now, I had Nick you Valente... You me a Pine Baron, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Nick Valente will tell you it's a hammerhead bat. It's a hammerhead bat. He, he, he's real, mm -hmm. you know, and then Brian Bowden will say, oh, it's a Mothman that runs around in the Pine Barrens, because mm -hmm. Bowden, of course, he believes that there's this Mothman-type creature, because I think that, too. But I think that, that, that Valente could be right, too, in the way that it could be... There could be both. I, I don't ever doubt that there could be yeah. both. Now, here's here's the encounter. This is what was told to me. Okay, now this one was recent. I got this one after I, I talked about on my show about someone seeing a flying creature that someone – I was doing security, uh, and there was a girl that was the manager of a pharmacy, of a, a national chain pharmacy. She was They were one of our clients several years ago, and she told me a weird story about her and her dad when they went hunting. Well, I relayed that story on, on my show. Somebody hit me up like the next day. And they said, look, I got a cousin who has seen the, the Jersey Devil. This is what it is. 
Now you tell me what it is. This is this is what they said. They said they were hunting with their dad, not the person sent me the story. The person said that their cousin, they saw this creature that was white, translu- almost translucent, and, and it, it was wrapped around a tree. Now, this is something we've heard before. Ryan, you know this. Um, wrapped around the tree with like a webbing, almost like on the sides of its arms and, and, and going down its, its sides of its body. Which was almost like, like you know, like like wings you would use to glide, like membranes. Yes, membranous wings. Yeah, but the head was facing them. Hmm. Back, so it would have been almost like it was backwards. It wasn't very large. It says the body was about probably three feet long, with the arms and legs. It was impossible because they didn't see it touch the ground, so they don't know how tall it could have been. But it wasn't like an overly large creature. They didn't know what it was. As they got closer to it, they could see distinctly a head, a, re- a really big mouth that was moving up and down like it was chewing, and there were eyes that were closed. And it had ears, human-like ears, but they were pointy up and down both both sides of the head. Whoa. Yeah, very strange. The mouth was chewing on something uh, that looked like uh, like maybe it was a small rodent, but they couldn't tell for sure. And it would, like they said, the head was would have been completely backwards. The arms and legs were wrapped around the tree where the arms and legs would have been, was wrapped around the tree. And they saw this thing. And then as they got closer, their, the footfall, as they were trying to, to make out what they were seeing, the footfall began to crunch leaves and sticks. Okay. And this thing lur- lur- like opened its eyes, which were completely red. Okay, which is very Mothmanish like, and they said that it stopped chewing, and the the where the jaw the the mouth would have been, it kind of melded into the chest, and this thing began to change color in front of them. It went all the way from being like a pulsating uh, pinkish reddish color, then it went to like almost like a, a a darker 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 to where it was almost purple. And then the head kind of sunk into the body. Now, when they were telling me this, I was thinking, this sounds like a, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't know if this is what, you know, people listening at home, but it sounded almost like you're, you were, they were describing a rake morphing into a mothman. If, you if, know what it yeah. sounds like to me is, have you ever heard of the hide behind? Uh, no. <laughs> How about you, Ashley? Have you ever heard about that before? Uh, yeah, I know about the hide behind. I've heard the it, name, but I don't know wh- what is it. I thought it was like a Bigfoot. Like a, I'd say it would fall into the pale humanoid category, but it's supposed to be so slender that it can hide behind trees. Mm. And look right at it. You can't see it. Yeah, it's almost like the, um, I'm sure, you, Josh, you, as a paranormal guy, I'm sure you've heard of the, uh, like the stick figures that people oh, yeah. see. Mm-hmm. That's, it's it's basically, I mean, I, I think it's probably the same thing just by a different name. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's I, it does, it does kind of sound, um, you know, very much like, I mean, let me just say the Pine Barrens has a history, aside from just the Jersey Devil, has a history of very high strangeness. Um, you know, it's it's got a rich, you know, of course, Native history with tons of lore behind it and uh you know so i'm i'm first of all not surprised that they saw something was it the jersey devil it doesn't no it doesn't sound like it uh was it the mothman doesn't quite sound like it but that just also depends on what you think some of these things are Uh and um you know the the fact that you know looking at it i mean what it sounds like they described didn't really make a lot of sense um and you know so i think it's I think it's a possibility that it's 
maybe not exactly the same species, but I'm within the thinking that, you know, a lot of these things are probably very similar to, to each other. They're related somehow. And I think that that falls into that category, but mm-hmm. Ryan, what do you think? It What do you think? It, you think it was a hide behind? All right. Well, in my opinion, I think that that was something that's definitely more leaning towards the hide behind, which is something that would fall into those pale human categories. You know, that's something that Ash and I were discussing sometimes too, is the pale humanoids that, you know, the, the Ash men, the crawlers, the things that people are seeing like that. I do believe that that's part of the Wendigo lore. It plays a very big role in it. So, cause I mean, if you look at the descriptions of the Ash men, or as people would know them, the rake or the, you know, the crawlers or whatever, they look remotely human, very much human. And that's what the Wendigo is actually said to look like. None of this stag-headed or antlered. No, that, that's a later adaptation. Yeah. Well, where that came from is not only Algernon Blackwood, but that came from Norse and Germanic mythology as well. Do you want to explain what that is? Yeah, I mean, you had certain uh, deities that were in different religions. Like, you know, you had Hearn the Hunter or Herny the Hunter from overseas in the UK. Now, he was a humanoid that wore a deer's head upon his own head. So that's where they got the stag-headed antlers and everything like that. And then the Dragor. They were also a ice giant that sometimes wore stag heads as trophies. And it was just all kind of like hybrided up. Like it just mended together. And that's how people got the wrong impression of what a Wendigo truly looked like. There was – I thought that there was a Norse uh, mythological creature that – was like a child of Loki. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it, and it had like antlers. Oh yes, from the ritual. Yeah, I don't know about ritual. What is that? It's a movie, the ritual. I think Ashley's seen that one. She knows what I'm talking about. But yeah, it's uh nope. No, okay. <laughs> She's well, like, nope. <laughs> all right. Well, it did have a deer-headed monster in there, mm-hmm. but again, that's really that's a lot different from the Wendigo. Yeah, because I, I know that that he had a lot of children. And and it was really weird how they came about, too, because at one point he gave birth to a six-legged horse or something. It was actually supposed to be a bastard child of Loki. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, but- and, and, and he had a lot, a lot of children. There were no – I mean, he, he didn't – like, uh, wasn't very fatherly to any of them. So. Yeah, no, definitely not. But, like, when the Europeans came over, though, is when this whole hybridization started taking place. Well, what about this? What if the rake is wearing uh, – like a deer skull or something as like a, like a helmet. Like camouflage possibly. Or a helmet. <laughs> I mean, something to protect itself, bone, breastplate. I don't know. I mean, we talked about the Genosqua and them wearing like stone, you know. That could be possible. I mean, I could see that. And maybe, you know, that's where the description actually came from is they saw things like the rake and they automatically assumed, you know, oh, it's Wendigo, you know, so the two were just mixed together. Or the well, one walk- thing I want to bring up is the uh, in the in the Appalachians. There's the not deer. You know, that's I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Mm-hmm. But, oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the audience that doesn't know, a not deer is basically just a very um, just a deer that looks very strange or typically very large, um, but they look very off. And so, I mean, you know, again, we're kind of talking. You're talking the Appalachians right there. Then you're talking the same territory you know, where there's a lot of Wendigo lore. And so, I mean, there could be some, some, you know, overlay in that as well. There could be, there could be. No, not deer though. Don't they say that not deer sometimes walk on two legs? Two legs, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. They have the sharp teeth as well? Yes, they do. Hmm, okay. All right. Well, yeah, because awesome. I'm wondering about that. I was wondering, like, you know, 
the skinwalkers can also become like a deer type uh, antler headed creature too, and maybe mid transformation. And then of course there's stories of them not being able to transform all the way, um, which leads to them looking like deformed werewolves or right. deformed well, skinwalkers deer. And Wendigo, skinwalkers and Wendigo are so drastically different when you get to the root of the war. Mo- moving on from, from the deer headed thing for a minute here. Uh, you, you, you're talking about the Ash men. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't know a lot about that, but so I was going to ask you this: uh, is, is it possible that these these I, I talked about these troglodyte type uh, Bigfoot that covered themselves in ash? Like mm-hmm. the, at least I think they did, because they were described as being gray or kind okay. of you know, like uh, they had dark skin, but they would cover themselves in ash to make their skin look gray. So you could see like this sort of uh, dark skin underneath. Um, but you could tell that it was being camouflaged kind of by, by ash. And okay. then, then again, it was here in, te- it's here in Texas. And so I thought, you know, maybe they, they, these troglodyte Bigfoot type creatures were doing it to ward off bugs because Texas is full of mosquitoes, you know, and bugs. And maybe they're that that's, you know, and so, but when you're talking about ash, man, you're, are you talking about something like that? Does it look like that? What What is it you're talking about? Describe to me in the audience what you're talking about. All right, Ashmen are those cave-dwelling humanoids that people see. They're often theorized to be subterranean or, you know, just living deep in hollow earth or whatever, but they look more on the human side than they would a Bigfoot side. Yeah, that's what these do. Yeah, they okay. do they they do appear to, to me I I think they, they that they're like a troglodyte. Okay. Um, and they wear and they put ash on their face and I think that when my great great uh, uncles were referring to these things that happened to them when they were kids, you know, I think that that's what they were talking about. I mean, you know, because I did the, 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 I think it's called, uh, oh God, I can't remember the name of it. It's a Bigfoot episode I did, um, Besieged by Bigfoot, or I can't remember the name of it. I, I could have to go back and look at my archives. But, but there are, there's a couple different ones about Sasquatch attacking, and, they, and they're very similar because they were in very similar regions. They weren't far from each other, like maybe 40, 50 miles or something apart, not much. Um, but th- I believe that they're the same creature. And and, and I, I can't remember the name of, of the episode. Uh, Anthony names them. But but there, there, there's one that's uh, – uh, I think it's called Besieged by Bigfoot. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But anyway, in that episode, I talk about a family at the turn of the century, not this turn of the century, last turn of the century, that had been attacked and had all kinds of issues – um, going with these ash men, as you call them, I think that's that, that's a good name for them because I, I thought that that that, that would that's what the, when you said that I, that's what conjured the image was conjured up in my mind that that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. These creatures that cover themselves in ash, um, they could be thought of as a Wendigo, although they had a lot of hair and and I don't say fur. Okay, they they didn't they weren't described as being furry like like a fur like on a wolf. They, they were more like hairy. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. And um, well, see, that makes sense, though, because some Wendigo lore does say that the person who becomes a Wendigo does sprout a lot of hair, not fur, but hair. And they'll most have it on their hmm. arms or arms or going down their back. That could be why some of the, the, the research that I did into this, it kind of bleeds into werewolves. Um, mm, yeah. yeah the, the legends yeah. of these things, the Europeans brought their legends of the werewolf. Yes, they did. From Europe, and I think that they kind of melded together 
with the legends of the Wendigo because I know that the that the Plains Indians, the Native Americans that lived in the Northeast, uh, and then of course the Great Lakes, these are widespread regions. I mean, the, there's thousands of miles between these people, but they they all have a similar story of a Wendigo, and I think that it could have been the settlers that just kind of brought their beliefs as they moved west and further west and they would encounter the natives and then their beliefs would just kind of, kind of meld together, you know? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Because when you look at like, okay, and, and this is not this kind of off topic, but still on topic. When you, when you travel through the United States for our listeners who are from overseas, because we do have a lot of listeners that listen to us from overseas. When you travel through the United States, th- there's indigenous people all over the United States. Mm-hmm. And they have different cultures. All, all of them are, are different, but they have a similar thread. But there is a, a a type of food that a lot of the Native Americans from Oklahoma all the way to California they eat. It's called fry bread. Mm-hmm. Now oh, you got to understand that fry bread though is not that is not it hasn't been a part of their culture for very long. It's only been around since the reservations because mm-hmm. they were given flour. And certain commodities to eat and, and to use from their, you know, when they were put on reservations, um, that's where the fry bread comes from. Before that, they didn't use flour. They didn't cook with that. That that wasn't a staple of their diet. Uh, a lot of natives did farm. Uh, the agricultural uh, natives, in particular, a lot of the ones in the Southwest and in Mexico, they had um, they were they were they had. Uh, I meant I'm sorry, the Midwest. They farmed and they had corn, um, but they didn't. They didn't use flour or anything like that. So you know, you have a lot of uh, of uh, of the influence, European influence, that kind of married with the native culture, and 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 it kind of diluted both cultures. You know, the European culture, you know, kind of bled into the native culture and vice versa. So that you have all these legends and stories that are all just kind of mixed up. Um, so you you know when you look at like the horse, okay, the Comanches were known as you know the horse people. You know the Cheyenne, same thing. They were horse people, um, but the the horse wasn't around until the the Spaniards brought it over here. When the Spaniards brought the horse over here in in the four, in the fifteen hundreds, that you know of course it was a few hundred years of the horse being here, but it's not. It wasn't indigenous here. The the Natives that were here for thousands of years, they did not have horses. Um, so, you know, the, the, their culture was very, very different from when the – by the time the the European settlers were moving across the plains, a lot of the – and I'm talking about the northern – the more northern and central Europeans and western Europeans. Um, the Spaniards, a lot of them had already encountered some of these natives, and so that's where they had the horses. Um, and so when the, the – uh, White man came, as as they say, from east to west. They encountered Native Americans who already had been, uh, already had been uh, subjected to European culture through the Spaniards, um, and to a lesser degree, the Portuguese and the French. So the Anglo's, I guess we should call them the Anglo settlers, when they began to push west. There's this misconception that they were they were the first white man that they had ever seen, and that they were new to this land. That's not true. That's not true at all. The Spaniards had been all the way up into Colorado and all the way into Wyoming by the time uh, the 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 other Europeans had come from northern and central Europe. 
So it's not like there was this great, like the white man came and they were pushing to, to the West. They had already been here. Um, you know, St. Augustine had already been founded, you know, it's the, it's the oldest city, you know, it's, it's, you know, in it's in, uh, in Florida, you know, and then you had the Spaniards in Louisiana along with the French. And then you had the Spaniards in Texas along with the French. You had the Spaniards all over the Southwest. Um, they had already established the, uh, 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 missionary, missionary, missions in uh, Southern California. That's what San everything is, San Diego, San Bernardino, San everything. It's, uh, they were established uh, by the, the Spaniards. So they had already been here. They were here for a long, long time. They were looking for, you know, the fabled cities of gold and everything else, you know, El Dorado, Cibola, all these different, you know, whatever. Um, so so the, these, the, the natives had already encountered these people. If you watch the movie Dances with Wolves, the, you'll see them like where they pull out the Spanish helmet and he says, this is something that my forefathers gave me um, because the Lakota had, had encountered them way back in their history, which would have been hundreds of years before uh, Kevin Costner's character, uh, which is it's, it's a fictional movie, but his character before he encountered them. So, you know, there's this, there's this sort of like uh, idea that when the Anglos were pushing west, they were encountering the Lakota Sioux and, and these other types of natives, the, the Navajo and, and the, the Cheyenne and, the, and the, you know, the Cherokee and the Chickasaw, my people, the Comanches, you know, that they, that they were encountering these people and they're like, whoa, wow, we've never seen this before. No, they'd seen it before. The Spaniards were had a, had a stronghold in New Mexico. That's why it was called New Mexico because they had already like established, you know, kind of like a base there. And it was one of the few places where the Comanches had actually been defeated and kind of driven out. The Comanches really did not lose; they just were starved out. They never were really defeated. They just they 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 took a beating in New Mexico, and then they just kind of left that area and stayed in Comancheria, which was Texas, Oklahoma, and northern Mexico. It was a 400-mile uh, stretch of land. But they had encountered uh, Spaniards. And so there was a little bit of mixing of culture already because they wouldn't have had the horse. Now, when you when you meld these uh, things together, one of the things we talked about, Ryan, on, on the Genosqua and the uh, Gugwe episodes was the native uh, uh, cultures talking about these creatures. Now, we're not going to confuse those with the Wendigo, but it is interesting that that even though the 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 Algonquin are separated, you know, from the natives in in you know like the Lakota, for example, thousand mile thousands of miles, you know, of 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 separation there, you 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 they still have the same thread. You know what I mean? Yes, there's this there's the same uh, thread of this Wendigo, mm-hmm. right? Well, the European involvement though really just kind of complicated the legend, I believe. You know, it, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it went from being a human that became the Wendigo to a human that transformed into a beast, a literal beast. And that's never what was spoken of in the original oral traditions. No, not at all. You know, and they added the whole using a silver bullet to kill it. And again, that wasn't in the original traditions at all. Yeah, because the natives didn't you know, think of silver. They didn't really use metal. Right. Um, hardly at all. Yeah. But here's the thing. And, and here's the question I have for you, Ryan. What is the difference between the let's say the 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 the, in, the the native you know culture belief the cult, native cultural belief from the Midwest Native Americans to 
say, the Algonquins in the Northeast. What's the difference between them two and then the difference between them and then the ones from the plains? Because there are thousands of miles that separate these, these, these tribes, but they all have legends of this thing. Oddly enough, they're actually all very similar. I mean, they might differ in ways to kill it or ways to prevent somebody from becoming a Wendigo. But when it comes to the symptoms or the signs that one is becoming a Wendigo or an approach of a Wendigo, they all follow the same legends. They all follow the same beliefs and rules. Really? Mm-hmm. Like? That's why, like the cold wind was always seen mm-hmm. as a foreboding thing because they believe that the Wendigo's cry was always heard upon the wind. And when you heard that, it was an omen of doom. Like you were going to die because of this thing. Yeah. See, now that's that. I'm glad you said that because that's where you remember how we talked about some of these cases. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, here's what I wanted to ask you and you and Ashley both. You can give me your take on this. Give me your opinion on this because this is most interesting to me. I came up with four encounters through my uh, through pouring through my different uh, research or whatever. Um, four, Four stories I got. Each one of them involve the cold. Now, when we went through the different stories, Ryan, and I said, what do you think of this? Could this be Wendigo? Could you think of this as Wendigo? You know, yes, no, yes, maybe so, whatever. But one of the themes that I found through my own research was that there is an element that takes place on occasion, not always, with these humanoidal pale crawler type creatures that does involve the cold. Now, one of these stories was in South Dakota, okay, and it was cold as as all get out. So you can't really use this and say, oh, they 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 felt a chill come through the air because they were already freezing as they were pheasant hunting or whatever. <laughs> so so I can't I can't sit there and say that that but but it was already cold as all heck. So you know, but it is interesting that that a lot of these do take place in the cold, or there was a cold chill that 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 fell upon them. One of them was in Michigan, uh, near Lake Michigan, I should say, and then the and then another one was in in uh, near the Black Hills, up in South Dakota. Now, if you take those, they, and and the one in Lake Michigan did not happen in the winter. We'll start with that one. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're we, we've come to the conclusion that the creature or whatever it was that uh, that that we that we the people we talked about from the, the Pine Barrens, we don't know what that was. It became bluish, uh, purplish, black almost, and then um, that was it. They backed away and they got the heck away from it. Uh, it, it did almost kind of like how it started and how it ended. Uh, that's why I thought Mothman. I don't know. Maybe that's the Mothman's form and then he becomes Mothman. That's why I, I, I said that and I told Ashley, hey, I would love to, to wait to save this encounter and bring it up to Ashley. Um, you know, and so I thought Wendigo episode, perfect time to bring it up. But he, here's what I got to tell you about the one. We'll start with the one near Michigan. Um, we, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think we can sit here and, and possibly classify these things 100% and we're not trying to. But we are going to go over these cases, and then I want your opinions on what you think this is. Here is one from Michigan, from Lake near, near Lake Michigan. They were walking along the lake, uh, uh, the husband and wife, and he was skipping rocks. You know how you throw rocks, whatever. And uh, 
the next thing you know, he picks up a rock, and, and this is late spring. Okay, late spring, May, it's not supposed to be that cold. Okay, he picks up a rock, and he's like, oh, this rock is cold. I mean, it's cold to the touch, and he, he hands it to his wife. She touches it. They go down. They start touching the rocks, and they start to notice that they're all very cold to the touch. They look out in the lake, and they see this thing kind of rise up out of the water. Now, I thought about this, too. This could also fall under humanoids, water humanoids, which I'm going to do a show about that eventually, too. But this thing comes out of the water, and it begins to, as it gets closer to the shore, it begins to crawl. Looks, I mean, let's just just call it a rake, because it looked like a rake. I'm not even going to get into a big old long description of it, because it was the stereotypical rake type entity that we have talked about on the show multiple times. It seems to be to me though that when we say, oh, it looked like a rake, people are like, oh, that's creepy pasta. That's it. Period. Because you called it the rake. You could call a werewolf or, you know, a rake and they would say, oh, it's creepy pasta because you called it the rake. So we're gonna we're gonna try not to use the word rake. We're gonna say crawler, pale humanoid, whatever, to get away from that term so people will stop, you know, accusing it of being creepy pasta, because that's not what this is. So this thing crawled out of the water, and they both stood there dumbfounded like, what is this? The arms were super, super skinny. The legs, from what they could see, the crawling, it was because it was crawling out of the water. The top part of the legs were super skinny, and it looked emaciated. Now, they didn't describe like a big mouth full of teeth. That's the only thing. It wasn't, there was no like um, canine incisor, like no big teeth, whatever. But it was crawling out of the water, and they said as it crawled, they could see ice, uh, not ice, uh, uh, like steam, like it was coming out, like it was super cold. You know how when something's really cold, um, and, and then you put something hot in it, you know, they said that the water looked like it was, like there was almost like steam coming off of it, but they could also see their breath. Whoa. Like it got really, really cold, and they were like, this is weird. But, but it also happens during hauntings, too. Now, when, when something is, is supernatural in your house, um, I know this because I lived in a house like that, and I've, I've had, we had spots that were really cold, and I had a couple encounters where you could see your breath, and it happened to me and, and other people at the same time. I knew it wasn't just me. I wasn't head tripping, you know, um, but these people said that they could, they could see their breath, and they were so enthralled by this entity or creature that they just couldn't look away. It was like the eyes they said were, were kind of a dim red. When I, when asked to describe, they were like, almost like it, they were glowing. They had their own natural uh, illumination, but they weren't like a bright red. It wasn't like, you know, super red, um, almost pink. The creature was whitish pink and it was just crawling toward them and it was moving slow. And it looked like it was like labored, like it was really struggling to come toward them. Now, this could fall into the category of zombie. It could fall into the category of specter, you know, ghost, whatever, water demon, uh, spirit, or it could fall under a Wendigo. I, I have no idea what, what to make of it. That's really interesting because the Algonquins do consider Wendigo a water spirit. Oh, okay. And there is a legend, Wendigo Lake or Lake Wendigo, whatever you want to call it, they actually do believe that the Wendigo lives at the bottom of the lake. They believe that underwater is an entrance to the underworld. Oh, where, where now? Okay. That's very interesting. Where is this? Uh, where, where is this at? This is actually in Canada, Canada. Yeah. Wendigo Lake. If you want to look that up people, wow. but 
during the winter, they say that the lake will freeze and you can see footprints from the Wendigo that emerges from the bottom of that lake. That's weird. So when you started mentioning how this thing was coming out of the water, I'm kind of sitting here going, because it sounded so familiar. (laughs) (laughs) You wanted to scream. Now, here's another one for you. Now, I got this story. This one's real quick. This one's out of Maine. And here again, I wanted to classify this under, and I'll probably tell this one again, folks. So forgive me if I tell it more than once. But there was a lake up in Maine. Actually, no, this is in Canada. Across, and in front, it's in Maine, across, uh, uh, like across the border in Canada that borders Maine. Let's put it that way. Uh, and this person, they live up there, and I got in touch with them through a fan who said, "Hey, you know, my great uncle's got a story, whatever." So I, I, this person was very brief. They just said that they were walking along a frozen lake that that, that freezes over every year um, when they were a kid. And he said that they were walking along him and two of his friends and they could see a creature. Now get this. They could see this creature walking upside down, looking at them. And I, I thought for a minute, I thought, okay, you're, so maybe you were looking at your own reflection, you know, cause I asked that and uh, kind of got offended. He was like, no, I know what I saw. I'm like, okay, all right. All right. I'm just saying 11, 12 year old kid is not always the most reliable you know, I mean, cause you know, kids are kids. And, but he said, I was with two, two of my friends and my brother, um, you know, we we're walking and we could see this creature, you know, and they said that he said that the, 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 the legs, <clears throat> when they looked at the legs and this is what made me, okay, this is not their reflection that they were almost like a uh, goat like or, or, or wolf like, okay. but that it had feet, weird looking pointy feet, like with three toes and, and like a a spur on the end of its foot. He goes, I remember it very clearly. You could see it clearly. And it was walking upside down mm-hmm. and they didn't I, get a good look at the, the, the body as it, the upper body. They could just see a head kind of turning toward them and looking. Um, it did have what looked like hair all over it, but they couldn't really, you know, and it was, it was walking wherever they walked. Whoa. And he said that, you know, next thing you know, he goes, we all ran and we went back to the shore and he goes, but then my memory stops right there. He goes, the next thing you know, I remember just the next day I'm playing with my friends in the yard playing football. I don't even remember anything before that, like after that incident. Wow, that's interesting. It's very intriguing, yeah. And so, you know, and and but he didn't he wasn't really interested in any of my theories. He just, you know, was like, This is what I saw, the end, you know. And oh, yeah, that's funny though, because you know, like the last story you were saying that they felt hypnotized. Yeah. And and, I, and, remember much. So I'm wondering, you know, cause the Wendigo is said to be able to hypnotize. Well, that, that one ended, you know, kind of anticlimactic. If you, well, if you want to look at it from, you know, from our, from our perspective, you know, nothing. Yeah, thing, man. Well, for them, it was probably terrifying, but for us, you know, we're going like, dang, no, I'm just kidding folks, please. If you listening, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> wasn't cause you didn't get attacked. I'm not excited about that. I'm saying that it was, you know, it was nothing, you know, too exciting. It just kind of vanished. Um, it looked like almost like, but not in the way that sometimes people describe ghosts as going kind of like poof, you know, they just kind of poof, you know. Um, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. Uh, but anyway, you know how people describe like a spiritual encounter and they'll say just kind of, you know, whatever just kind of went away. Do what? They dematerialize instead of going poof, it's dematerialized. Dematerialize, yeah. This thing kind of began to disintegrate from the top down. Okay. And then it right. just kind of turned, they, they said it was kind of like mist or something. And it just kind of like it blew off in the wind, which I thought was interesting. So that there, would you consider, what would you consider that? 
Oh, that would definitely fall into the Wendigo category for me. It didn't attack them. It didn't do anything violent. Well, you know, Wendigos don't always attack, though. I mean, there is observation. You know, they kind of see who they're dealing with, what they're dealing with. Yeah, that would have been an easy couple to take down, though. Because, I mean, (laughs) and there again, folks, I'm not not advocating because, but they they would have been easy prey if it was something that was there to try to eat them. Mm -hmm. True. Very true. But. Again, do you want to go always attack? Not necessarily, no. Well, I saw that video when Wendy goes attack. It looked pretty convincing. Yeah, it was in that one, wasn't it? <laughs> Ashley, what do you think about that? Um, I actually I have a very similar story. Um, you know, that that I that I got from, you know, actually a, a Native American man. He's a great guy. Um, he said that uh well, I'll, I'll tell you what I think first. Um, I think that yeah, it does sound very um very Wendigo like. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, the cold association is really important. Uh, kind of like Ryan said, you know, a lot of these cases, you, you kind of have to pick apart, you know, anecdotal evidence to see if it's related to each other or not. And so if you have, you know, similar characteristics going on. Um, but I do think that the water element is really interesting because like I said, I've, I've got a, a similar encounter. So again, my, my, uh, Native American friend, um, I can't share his name, but he, um, he said that he was fishing and this was in, uh, Washington state and, um, him and another person were fishing and they saw this, this thing, jump straight out of the water they were at a lake and it jumped straight out of the water and um when this happened um and they got a good look at it you know the first thing that he described was that it was it was white and completely hairless there was no hair on it whatsoever um and it came jumping out of the water and kind of like you mentioned with the previous story the same situation when it jumped out of the water before it hit the the land because it was jumping straight up and onto the land before it hit the land it was gone and so it was a very interesting um, encounter. Now, he had also mentioned other details about it. He said that the legs and the arms were very, very, very skinny. However, the body of this thing was not. Um, as a matter of fact, the body was very stocky. It was very square. It was wide. And it kind of had no head. And really, the first thing that that it that I thought of because he described it um, kind of backwards. He was describing the shape, then he went into the details of the color and the no hair. And when he was describing it backwards and he was describing the shape of the body, the first thing that popped into my mind was the, the Grafton monster. No, it was a Grafton monster. It's another West Virginian thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, but it's hairy. And so, you know, then he mentioned no hair, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, now he called it the Kushtika. And. Oh, okay. Right. And so when you go, I don't know if either of you have ever heard of that, um, but it is a – actually, the Kushtik is more related to – a lot of people describe it as more of like a, a humanoid otter type of creature. Um, so I, I thought it was very strange that he had – you know, but that that's what he insisted it was. It was it was a Kushtika. Kushtika uh, was Alaskan but, though, right? Um, uh, no, Pacific Northwest. It is in that area. And so, I mean – you know, reading about it, 
it has very aside from the looks but they say that it can transform into different things um it is it, it lives close to the water right but it has other traits that are very similar it lures people out into the water like wendigo lures people most of the time into the, you know into the woods um it's you know has the the cold uh like the cold weather elements to it it's usually a cold thing and actually it transforms other people into kustika so that way they can also survive in the cold Old. um so i you know very very interesting the ties here um you know i, I think that's that's pretty a water spirit pretty much yeah, yeah yeah i mean it it definitely could be um but i just always thought some of the, some of those were um interesting now if we're talking about the um we'll, we'll talk about mothman ties in a little bit oh wait um what do you what do you guys what do you guys think of that of that one Oh, it definitely sounds as a water spirit to me. And yeah, it could be that Kushtaka thing, definitely. It's not very Wendigo-like, though. There's a lot of differences between that and the Wendigo. Just because of the, because of the, that the, specific it, encounter or because of the lore? Yeah, just because of the, the way he described it. Right. You know, I agree with very, that. Yeah, it's not really Wendigo-like. I mean, they're uh, often yeah. enough more human than anything else. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, no, like I said, to me, it, it, it immediately I thought of the Grafton monster and that's yeah, yeah. a totally a- different thing, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's like, but the characteristics of the lore are very similar to Wendigo lore. And also, isn't that the area where the, the Sasquatch Wendigo is? You would be correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was just going to say the, the Kushika that I, I did a show about the Alaskan, it was about Alaska and it was David Weatherly. Um, and we talked about the Kushtika and the Kushtika, they're feared. Uh, I think the Tingit people, they're, they're just absolutely, they, they live in fear of this thing. This thing is like, they, they say it's like an otter man. But when you see yeah. pictures of it, um, I was sent one that was like a drawing that looks like, oh, dude, it doesn't look, <laughs> cause when you think about an otter, okay, you know, you, you're going like, what dude, like an otter really dude? Cause you see this little otter looking thing and you're going they're adorable they're adorable yeah they're cute i want to pick it up and play with it i don't want to you know it's not scary (laughs) but you know turtles look cute too until they become gamera you know and then then you're like wait a minute now we're getting a little weird you know it's getting carried away here with the cuteness it's not you know you're not cute anymore you're big and i mean i was a cute little cuddly baby at one time and now i'm 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 just huge (laughs) look at you you Yeah, I, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Look at what happened. I mean, I morphed into this, you know, beast. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it, I th- I agree with Ashley actually on this one, and, and I'm not uh, doing it to disagree with you, Ryan. Um, but I think Ashley has something because I think that the the Kushtika is could very much be like a, it's a shapeshifter. Um, it, it, it yep. does come with the cold. It does transform people. They are cannibalistic too. They, in, in the way that they, they're humanoids, but they eat humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do kind of look like they could be a candidate for being a Wendigo. Uh, let's put it this way. I, I, I'll agree with both of you. I think it's a little different, but I also think that it could be a type of Wendigo. I mean, if I had to put my money on it, I'd say it's a type of Wendigo. Um, you know, just because I think that, um. I think it's more water spirit, though. I mean, well, you just, didn't you say that the Wendigo, that's what that was, though? Kind of like the, it's some, some, some tribes believe that, right? I mean, am I right? But I think there are different types of water spirits, though. So I think like, you know, like there's Ents and whatnot on the land. I think there's different type of water spirits. Yeah. I am at least very certain 
um, that again, uh, and I'll say it, that these things are maybe not exactly the same, but they belong to the same family. Family, there you go. Of species. I'll agree with that. I'll definitely. If agree. you're thinking that's, about that's... it, you know, in an animal kingdom with, with the science that we know, right? I think that a lot of these things, you know, that's what we would. I mean, I think we would classify them in the same family of species, but not quite the same genus, you know. So it's that's how I like. That's how I like to think about Look, when I see these ties. I think that that makes sense. If you want to get to something that separates the two, I mean, look at what the Wendigo is really feared for. I just, I just it, looked it up. Hold on. I'm sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Finish. Well, if you look at what the Wendigo is really feared for, it's because people are afraid of becoming the Wendigo. So they are afraid of being possessed by this thing. So, I mean, with the word possession, that brings to mind that it's demonic in nature, correct? Yeah. I mean, if it takes hold of a human body or it can influence their mind after they, you know, break certain taboos. You really have to look into that as well. That's another aspect to talk about. Check, check this out, Ryan. Let me ask you and Ashley what you think of this. I, I, it says here, I just looked up Kushtaka, as in K-U-S-H-T-A-K-A. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, yeah. physically, Kushtaka are shapeshifters capable of assuming human form, the form of an otter, and potentially other forms. In some accounts, Kushtaka is able to assume the form of any species of otter and others only one. Accounts of their behavior seem to conflict with one another. In some stories, Kushtika are cruel creatures who take delight in tricking poor Ting, yeah, Tingit. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Let me look, you know what? Let me put my glasses on here, guys, because I'm over here reading without them. Uh, okay, there we go. Now Wolf's, Wolf's uh, able to see it correctly. Uh, it says here, Tlingit, I don't know how to pronounce it. I say Tingit, but I was, you know, it says take delight in tricking poor Tingit sailors to their deaths and others. They are friendly and helpful, frequently saving the loss from death by freezing. Okay. So that's interesting. It says in many stories, the Kushtika saved the lost individual by distracting them with curiously otter-like illusions of their family and friends as they transformed their subject into a fellow Kushtika thus allowing him to survive in the cold. Naturally, this is counted as a mixed blessing. However, Kushtika legends are not always pleasant. In some cases, it is said that Kushtika imitates the cries of a baby or the screams of women to lure victims to the river. Once there, Kushtika kills the person and tears them to to shreds or will turn them into another Kushtika. Legends have it Kushtika can be warded off through copper, urine, dogs, and in some stories, fire. Okay. Very interesting. Oh, that was another thing that I wanted to mention. I, I felt like the um like the things that are, are said to ward it off are isn't that very similar to the Wendigo? Mm-hmm. That is absolutely very similar to the Wendigo. It also it says they great. are said to emit a high pitched three part whistle in the pattern of low, high, low. You know what? This is weird. This is interesting. Okay, folks. We we started off the show and and, and I don't know. We were talking about the Algonquin <laughs> who are clear across the east, right? Yep. And then we talked, you know, and then, and then of course, you know, me and Ryan, we, we were talking about the Plains Indians with the Genosqua, but they had the same legends up in the Algonquin uh, area of the Northeast, all the way down to the Plains of the Genosqua. And now here we have the Wendigo that are in the Plains 
and in the Midwest. And now we just went all the way mm-hmm. to Washington State. And honestly, when Ashley began talking uh, about Washington State, I'm rolling my eyes going like, what is this dumb girl talking? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I was like, what? And then she starts talking and then she starts making a bunch of sense. And I'm going like, oh, OK, yeah, I knew that. I know. <laughs> so so we ended up coming full circle. Now now we're now we're over here in the West Coast. We're over here on the on the West Coast and these things these things are actually uh the Kushtaka could actually be a form of Wendigo. Huh. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know we we kind of mentioned, you know, we, obviously we talked about the rake and and uh, I'm I'm very anti rake personally, but that doesn't matter. These things and what do you mean you know, anti anti rake is in the name. I'm very anti rake. Yeah, I'm just yeah, I don't like that they're tied together. Um, you know, just because it it muddies the waters a lot. Um, because it was encouraged for people to write their own stories about the rake, and mm-hmm. and so that that hurts. You know, because it I, I won't get into. I'll get off my soapbox. But no, no, no. I get what you're the, saying, and and, and right. you, you make a very valid point. And when you and when you say those names, you know that's why the dogman name took hold. Because if you go around saying werewolf. You're thinking of London, American Werewolf London. He's you know on the ground, right. writhing around for thirty minutes. By the way, if that happens, just go, just walk away. You know, yeah. just go get on the you train and leave sleep. because he's going to yeah. be writhing around the ground for thirty minutes, changing. So while that's happening, just leave. Just go get in your. You don't want to be there. Yeah. when he's done. I mean, that's you just, know. Just, 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 you know what you could do? Grab a couple <laughs> slices of pizza. Go out to the hallway. Call your Uber. You know, yeah, just, check out Twitter, you know. whatever you got to do. And then when your Uber comes, just say, oh, well, you're still changing. All right, goodbye. And then go ahead and leave because you have plenty of time. Because according to Hollywood, it takes half an hour for this yeah. thing to do anything. <laughs> and and so th- that's what it does. That's what it does. It conjures up the image of some guy on the ground going, oh, and his, 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 you know, hair's growing and then his shirts are splitting. Yeah. You know, and so well, I, I exactly, yeah. and, and, th- and so that's, that's what basically the, rake the does same too. thing, right? That's yeah. what the rake does, and so you know, I, I understand. You know, when people come come to you and they say, "I saw the rake," it's because they probably did see something strange. They probably mm-hmm. did Google it, and the first thing that popped up was the rake. So that's what they associate it with, right? And so you know that that happens, but that's you know, I, I've learned this doing the Mothman research. I've learned that it's not just just because we call it Mothman where I'm from doesn't mean that it's called Mothman where other people have seen it. And so it doesn't mean it doesn't exist outside of, you know, uh, West Virginia because it, because it does, um, you know, so I, I think that, you know, the Wendigo, I, I think that with the Wendigo, it is more of a, it's a case of that, but I feel like it's on a much larger scale than that. I mm-hmm. feel like, um, you know, it is more widespread and there's different things that can be associated. And even though I don't quite believe that, all of these things are exactly the same thing. I think that they are somehow related to each other. How they're related, I don't know, but I, I just believe, you know, that th- this is what they say when you know, you know, and uh, I just know that they're related. Mm-hmm. Could be. Could be. Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I will agree to an extent. I think a lot of things that are, you know, seen out there, like the rake, and I, I quote as I say that name, I hate the rake, but you take the rake, you take the pale humanoids, you take the Ashmen. I think really those go back to the Wendigo legend in a very big way. You know, I think that's what people were seeing out there. The Native Americans were seeing and they didn't know what they were. They had no way of knowing. So they just applied the name Wendigo. Same as with the Bigfoot. There's the Wendigo with an I instead of an E. So nobody bashes us here. So that's your take. So, so you 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 kind of agree to an extent, but not 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 completely. You think yeah, not 
not 100 percent. okay so so in your mind in your in your uh idea from your research what is the wendigo exactly well i'm just going to tell people straight up what it really is it's it's not a cryptid no it's not something to say is a you know undiscovered unverified animal it's not it's part of a spiritual belief you know it's something that comes from you know the spirit realm it's very spiritual and we can't say it's an animal it it's has the ability to to become physical yeah it can become physical it can possess somebody or you know take a physical form that it requires but it's not a cryptid like we would think all right folks that's going to conclude the part one of the wendigo uh, with ryan tremblay we're going to come back next week and do it again on friday Everybody be sure and like and subscribe and uh, continue to, to, to listen to us here on YouTube and or whatever platform you listen to us on. Don't forget about our Tuesdays live stream that's a YouTube exclusive that comes on about 745 every Tuesday. Okay, so show up on Tuesday and check it out. Last uh, This past Tuesday, we had a dogman encounter and extraterrestrials, and um, it, it was it was pretty riveting. Come check us out on Tuesdays. Watch the live stream. That's a YouTube exclusive. Like I said, if you're not watching it, you're missing out. You're getting three hours of bonus content right there every week with stories and all kinds of stuff. Uh, personal encounters, firsthand encounters. Everybody uh, join us in all of our different facets that we have, and we hope that, that we can continue to talk. If you're looking for merchandise, it's prtpodcast.com. And be sure and, and join our Patreon and uh, we can give you the links, any and all of that. Just ask if you want to ask for to be friends on Facebook. Just send me a message saying, hey, I'm a listener of the show. And uh, we'll see you next Friday.